much about your childhood. I've always wondered about this. What, what kind of a kid were you? Well, you probably find this a little difficult to believe. I was kind of a weird kid. Horse Studios. This is Hour of the Horse with your host, Hunter and Hugh. Hey, Hugh, how are you doing today? Not bad, not bad. Um, I've just had uh, workmen over my house. Well, before before you get into that, uh, I, I have a question I'd like to ask you. Hugh, what's happening on the site? Uh, the site? Do you mean offbrandhorse.com? All one word. No punctuation. Um, let's have a look. So you remember what I said last week when you asked me this question? Uh. Well, since then... There have been technically zero updates. Okay. Because I haven't yet released the first episode of this podcast. That's thrilling. So, um, sorry about that. Well, you should apologize to me. I mean, you're you're part of the site. So, what have you contributed over the past week? Oh, I wrote that essay that you you told me to write. What was the essay about? Uh, masturbation, mostly. What was your th- central thesis? Um, that uh, masturbating in theaters is actually good for you and good for the body politic. The the Pee Wee Herman <laughs> paradigm. <laughs> no, because Pee Wee Herman that that was such a bullshit. He was masturbating in a porno theater. Like, come on, what up? What, what are, you, are you supposed to not masturbate them? <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> you're going in there you're you're either you're either cruising you're you're a gay man cruising for sex or you're gonna go masturbate those are the two like options so what's the problem (laughs) now the fact that he had a child pornography that was that was you know how did they catch him was it like a fellow patron who was just there to watch the movie to read the articles, as it were. I think there's an undercover cop in the theater. Um, right. So it was a George Michael situation where it was a bullshit sting. Yeah, let me, let me read about the... Let me read... Uh... Well, I refuse to vamp. We're just going to let the... Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a random police inspection. Fuck you, man. It's a random, random police inspection. So there's probably someone undercover. What are the odds of randomly busting Pee Wee Herman? <laughs> yeah, it's not the kind of setup. But uh, more interesting to me is the 2022 pornography arrest, which no one talks about. Wait, wait, wait. Is that true? I thought you were joking. No, I was not joking. It's true. What? Are you going to read this to you <laughs> into the audience? Yes, please. Okay. In November 2022, while filming David Watt Chappelle's video for Elton John's This Train Don't Stop There Anymore, 
I assume is a great song. Sorry, 20, it's 2002. I don't know why I said 2022 now. Rubens learned that police were at his home with a search search warrant acting on a tip from a witness in the pornography case against actor Jeffrey Jones. Finding over 70,000 items of kitsch memorabilia, two grainy videotapes, and dozen uh, photographs that the city's attorney's office characterized as a collection of child pornography. Wow. (laughs) I think that's that's, that's poorly uh, worded. It seems to imply that he has he had seventy thousand items of child pornography, which is not which I don't think is true. I think it's two grainy videotapes and dozens of fo- photographs that were part of this collection. I think right. the person who wrote this Wikipedia article should go back to to grammar school and learn how to make uh, you know learn about sentence clarity. So how did that slip under the radar? <laughs> uh, let me finish. Kelly Bush, Ruben's personal representative at the time, said the description of the items was inaccurate and claimed the objects were Rob Lowe's sex tape. And a few thirty to hundred year old kitsch collectible images. Right now, let's see. He was uh, he was charged with a misdemeanor, um, improperly depicted a child under the age of eighteen in sexual conduct. So is that uh, the Rob Lowe tape specifically? Well, that's what that's what they claimed it was. I don't know. Right. So let's see. He pleaded guilt. He pleaded not guilty. And in March 20, 2004, child pornography charges were dropped in exchange for Rubens' guilty plea to a lesser misdemeanor obscenity charge. Mm. Rubens later stated that he was a collector of erotica, including films, muscle magazines, and a sizable collection of mostly homosexual vintage erotica, such as photographic studies of teen nudes. <laughs> Rubens said that what the city's, city attorney's office viewed as pornography, he considered to be innocent art. And, oh my god! <laughs> and that what they described as people underage engaged in masturbation or oral copulation was, in fact, a judgmental point of view. <laughs> Rubens described what the nude images. Mean? I don't know. Rubens described the nude images as people one hundred percent not performing sexual acts. Being an avid collector, Rubens often purchased bulk lots, and one of his vintage magazine dealers declared that there's no way he could have known the content of each page and the publications he bought. You're called Rubens asking physique magazine, physique magazines, vintage 60s material, but not things featuring kids. So, uh, interesting taste for Mr. Pee Wee Herman. So, was that not widely reported? How did you hear about it? It actually rings a, a uh, bell. I was, I was Wikipedia. Yeah. I don't know. I was just reading his Wikipedia page at some point and stumbled across The stuff about it. like the, the, that it, it was like a vintage erotica collection, as he claimed. That kind of rings a bell, but I don't really remember that appearing in any major publications at the time. The, yeah, it got like completely deep sixed. Because he, he had an interesting trajectory, right? So, like, <laughs> Yeah, from, from masturbating to pornography to getting busted for childhood. Well, what I a life mean, story. Like, the, the PR trajectory. Mm. I think his career was tailing off anyway in the 90s. <laughs> and then he, and then, he, and then, he got, then he got tanked for stroking his PR. And then, like, he was most famous for that for a uh, you didn't, of time. You didn't like I mean, that. He was persona non grata like for, like, for, like, 15 years, maybe. Mm. And then it came back around. People were like, why, why does anyone care? Yeah, I think it's because porno theaters don't exist anymore. Who cares? It sounds quaint, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, like he 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 had a career resurgence. Yeah, there's that Netflix uh, Pee Wee Herman movie. But it's funny comparing him to uh, Jeffrey Jones, who's mentioned in, in this Wikipedia article. 
Um, it was like completely persona non grata. Hasn't appeared in anything in the last like 30 years or whatever. When it, after he got busted. Uh, yeah, because he's, I forgot that he's the principal from um, Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Oh, that's so funny. Apparently his last role was in uh, the Deadwood movie <laughs> mm. <laughs> in 2019. Interesting. Because he was in Deadwood, the TV series. Wait, so what was, what was the link between him and, and Rubens? It was part of the acting on a tip from a witness in the pornography case against Jeffrey Jones. Oh, okay, right. Gotcha. uh, That's interesting. He got his start in Minnesota. He got his start in child pornography in Minnesota (laughs) or in acting? Uh, In in acting. acting. Probably child pornography, too, if I had to guess. Yeah, well. It was in Fallout, too. Wow. He was in Fallout as well or Fallout the sequel to Fallout? Fallout uh, the sequel. Well, that's cool. <laughs> we should play it and see if we can uh, romance this character. So, how have you been, Pro? I can ask that question if that's okay. Um, well, my my apartment has just been freshly fitted with a proper air conditioning unit for the first time. Hmm. How's that? How's that been? Well, I mean, they literally just finished, so I don't know. But I was anxious that uh, there would be a confrontation between the the handyman and yeah, the uh, crazy my guy. psychotic neighbor because that happened mm. the last time um, someone came over to replace the oven. But uh, fortunately, nothing happened. It was free of incident. Have you, have you talked about your psychotic neighbor on the podcast yet? No, I talked about it offline. But last time when when the workman came to replace my oven, again, as part of the same compliance thing, they first moved the oven to the lobby mm-hmm. for about two minutes while one of the other guys went back to the truck to get something else. And it was placed thoughtfully just in front of my doorway so it wasn't blocking anyone else's entryway or anyone coming down the stairs could... You know, anyone coming down the stairs could easily avoid it. It was in no one's way. But I have a particular neighbor who's, mm. I would say, certifiably psychotic. Mm. And um, he got into a big fight and said it was like an OHS issue and was really going after this guy. And he's the type of person where if you started an argument with him, there is no method for de escalation whatsoever. It's just literally not possible. Mm. I don't care like what your qualifications are. It's not possible unless you just acquiesced to whatever he said and like apologized and groveled or something. Sure. There's, you couldn't like, you couldn't persuade him to change his mind about anything. So they got into a little confrontation there and I was, it was getting really weird. Like he would come around the side of the house and point through the window at the workman and scream out, it's an OHS issue. But they managed to complete this job and I was fearful like something similar would happen now because there's even more like stuff that they have to haul through for this air conditioning unit. But nothing happened. It was fine. Mm. But I will say that I was I was stuck with the problem of having to like entertain myself in my own house with other people working here without recourse to the usual time sink mm, of YouTube because I wasn't going to sit there oh, watching YouTube no. videos. That would be weird. <laughs> so... 
what was I going to do? I could read, mm. but uh, I'm kind of off that train at the moment, so <laughs> I didn't want to do that. Um, I could write. I'm not going to do that. I'm definitely not going to do that. Guess what activity I landed upon finally. <laughs> uh, watching television? No, I'm not going to watch television in like, while, this, while they're in the living room. <laughs> uh, just sitting around doing nothing? <laughs> no, no. Um, I actually started editing... Um, the best of 2022 episode of Project A+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't that already come out? That was the only thing I could manage to do. Um, and I was hoping, like, if they if they glanced into the bedroom, because you can see this, the computer screen because it faces outwards to the living area, mm. that it would look like that's my job, like I'm a freelance, like, audio ed- editor mm. or something. <laughs> and to add to the illusion, how sad is this? I, I grabbed a notebook and I, I, I splayed it out in front of me and held a pen thoughtfully while I was editing the podcast, even though I wasn't using the notebook. Mm-hmm. And when they would, like, interrupt me for something, I would walk out pointedly holding my pen as if I'd just been interrupted from my important work. <laughs> Jeez, man. And then I would go back to editing. And I finished, I almost finished it, actually. I'll, I can probably release it this week. I think I'll do that. Well, uh, good good job. But more importantly, how have you been? I have been okay. Yeah? Don't really have any uh, anecdotes or things to report besides that. No anecdotes? Not a single no, one? Not a single one. Hmm. Well, I could introduce this, this random uh, thing I got recently. Yeah? Which is this uh, little piece of paper that someone found in a book at my workplace. Okay. Uh, that depicts a Confederate soldier uh, <laughs> with red eyes and a big Confederate flag uh, draped across his shoulder uh-huh. and says underneath, hell no, I won't ever forget. And that is currently uh, <laughs> occupying a place of providence on my uh, desk where I'm, I'm doing the work of recording this podcast right now. It's not like a cyber soldier. It's just an ordinary Confederate soldier with red eyes for some reason. Yes, yeah, because he's so angry. That's that's right. the that's my that's my uh, you know connotative reading of this. Not not that he's so high. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's high. Maybe that's what it's saying. <laughs> Can you read that slogan in your best stoner voice? <laughs> I mean, again, it could be high. It could just be saying that no matter how much weed he smokes, I'll still remember the you know the cause. Yeah, yeah. Which sure, why not? Well, that's cool. Yeah. You know what I think we should talk about, Hugh? Yeah. You know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about Star Wars. You like Star Wars? Star Wars? Yeah. That nerd shit that Disney owns. <laughs> Come on, bro. You love Star Wars. I don't know what you're talking about. So I finished that uh, Jedi game today, the first one. Jedi Fallen Order? Yeah, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I beat that this morning. So where are the colons falling? Is it Star Wars colon Fallen Order dash? No, no, it's Star Wars Wars, colon Jedi colon Order. order. No, sorry. Star Wars colon Jedi colon? Is that what it is? I I think so. There's two colons? No, just one colon. There's not a colon after. That's kind of weird, though. So where's the colon? It's just Star after Wars Jedi. Jedi is one word. So Star Wars. It's not. It's one phrase. Yeah. Star Wars Jedi. No colons in that. Colon after Jedi. Fallen Order. Wow. <laughs> not a great title. Kind of strange. 
It's not like Ravensoft or whoever developed the Jedi no, Outcast games, is it? No, no, it's it's Respawn Entertainment. Respawn Entertainment. Respawn. Respawn Entertainment, who did Titanfall and Apex Legends. Right, yeah, because I don't, like, these don't feel like the same series to me, so I don't really, I have no interest in them. What? I had the same actual feeling about Jedi Outcast originally because it's not the same developer as Jedi Knight. <clears throat> Was Jedi Knight internal at LucasArts, actually? That's, that is a, that is LucasArts. Yeah, there you go. Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast is developed by Raven Software. Yeah. And then, and then um, Jedi Academy is also developed by Raven Software. Yeah, which is basically DLC. I think I think you call it an expansion pack, my friend. Well, I guess it's like Mysteries of the Sith. No, that's a, that's a literally an expansion pack. <laughs> Jedi Academy is a is a full game. It was released as a full game. I mean, it probably has enough content to qualify it as a full game, but it's just within the same engine and everything with the, basically the same mechanics, but less story. So. Luke Skywalker's in the game. Yeah. He's in Jedi Outcast. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Jedi Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order does not have any larger universe characters, except for <laughs> Forrest Whitaker's character in uh, Rogue One. What? Forrest Whitaker was even in Rogue One? <laughs> yep. I don't remember yep. that. Played the character named Saul Guerrero. So when is Fallen Order set? It is set five years after Revenge of the Sith. So pre-A New Hope. Pre-A New Hope. Right. Yeah, and what do you want to say about this dumb game? Oh, you don't care. Fuck you, man. What, were you, what do you want to talk about then? <laughs> No, no, I'm actually interested in what you, what you have to say. No, I don't want to say anything about it now. <laughs> Man up. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll say the my stage piece. is yours. You know what? Uh, I feel like two or three. I, the thing I heard about this game when it was coming out, you know, like five years ago, whatever it came out, three years ago, was that it was like Dark Souls. That's what it was pitched as to me. It's like Star Wars Dark Souls. Okay. Isn't it? Is it the same developer as The Force Unleashed? No. It's that not? Was, it's not. Okay. That was... LucasArts Internal. Was it really? <laughs> it was. Wow. <laughs> For what that's worth. <laughs> Which is nothing in, in the year... What was it? 2012 or something? Uh, 28, 28, 2008, 2008, 2008, right. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, I was, I was, go- when I was going into it, I was like, you know, I was expecting something that was like Dark Souls. Okay. Um, and then when I started playing it, it was, it, you know, <laughs> I was getting kind of annoyed and bored by it. Uh, maybe, maybe three or four hours into it. I was like, this game kind of sucks. <laughs> Because the combat is very uh, parry focused, which I don't really like that much. I don't like that. I don't like action games and character action games where timing is the most important thing. I'm just not very good at doing it right. I always like. I always get too like uh, nervous to properly block stuff. You know. I I think Batman, the Batman Arkham games, did a really good job of that though, because you could basically get away with like getting it wrong, and it still looked kind of cool. But they, they did a great job indicating when enemies are going to attack and stuff. You didn't really have to, like, 
paid that much attention to No, it wasn't like it wasn't like fighting game precise or anything. It was very it was very lenient and arcadey in a fun way. Yeah. That this game has none of that, which I thought was pretty annoying, I have to say. Mm. Because like a lot of the attacks, you know, they the timing is such where you're not really sure. They're not like standardized at all. So you're not really sure when you're supposed to hit the block button, you know. And I was playing on the third highest difficulty. So the window was pretty small. So I would just get I was getting really irritated. Eventually I had to switch down to the second highest difficulty because uh, I was I was getting I, I got to this one boss and I was like, I'm just I don't want to fight this anymore. I was just too annoyed. It, it's not so bad when you're fighting the humanoid enemies like, uh, you know, stormtroopers or whatever. Uh-huh. The one one funny thing is that, you know, when you watch Star Wars, any of the movies, even the new movies, you know, what's the what's the weapon that a stormtrooper uses? You know, it's a blaster, right? Like, right. But every other stormtrooper, obviously, because to make the game, you know, actually have enemies that you fight, has like a little sparky stick that can deflect a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always, uh, I, something like, yeah, I feel like the lightsaber would be like the perfect video game weapon if they just like made it as powerful as it would be in the universe that it's in. Well, that's what the old Jedi games actually do, though. Mm. There are a lot of sequences. I mean, they, they do like... They do find ways around the difficulty issue um, with how overpowered the lightsaber is. In fact, a lot of the games you have to like earn the lightsaber over Mm. several tedious missions before you can even utilize it and acquire force powers gradually. But Mm. there are definite points where you're allowed to just run into a room full of stormtroopers and like cut them them off the edge and then slice slice the butter. You do get the abilities to like throw people off edges, which is which is a game mechanic that is always fun. Always, oh, that's it's like the a best. Standard. It's one of the best game mechanics, like <laughs> of any yeah. game, is force grabbing someone and throwing them off the edge, or yeah. force pushing them. It's the best. Yes, and you, you can do that all the time with this game. The thing that, uh, but it it's like just like playing like um, uh, Night Silver or Republic or something like that. It makes lightsabers seem weak as shit because you hit enemies so many times before their like guard is blocked. See, this is something else I didn't really like about this game. I mean, at, at the end of the day, after the, like I got past that initial like three or four hours, where I was like, okay, this isn't really much like Dark Souls. It's more like like Devil May Cry plus like Metroid. Like that's that's the vibe that I felt right. of it. But the um, the enemies, you know, you have to. It's it's all about like breaking their guard. Like they basically have two health bars. Okay, they've got like that guard bar. And then they have their, like, health health bar, right? Wait, wait, wait. So even if it's, like, a stormtrooper with a blaster, because I presume there are some in this game. No, there, there are tons of stormtroopers with blasters, and those are just, like, cannon fodder. Like, one hit will kill them. So, you okay, so they, you can still technically kill people with one hit, right? Yeah, but the, the majority of enemies require more than one hit. Right. Because it's, like, it's like stormtroopers with these, like, stupid sparky sticks or, like, animals. Um... And I, it just has the effect of making the lightsaber seem like this, like, weak, like, tool. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, that sucks. Something else I find annoying is that there's a lot of, like, the Metroidvania stuff where it's like, why don't you just use your lightsaber and fix this problem? <laughs> there's, like, one scene where uh, Forrest Whitaker and all these, like, Wookiees are being pounded uh, uh, by some stormtroopers on on the Wookiee home planet of Kashyyyk or whatever. Which actually, yeah, Kashyyyk, whatever it is, which is actually the only, uh, the only, um, I know I'm gonna get canceled by the Wookiees for mispronouncing their, their home world. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the only the, that's the only planet in this game that I think is shown in the movies. I mean, you do go to some like other locations that are like kind of referred to the movies, like you go to Darth Maul soap world and stuff like that, and into the Jedi like planet where all the Kyber crystals are. Anyway, um, what was I saying? <laughs> oh, so the enemies have two health bars, right? Mm-hmm. And it's 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 annoying because like. First, you have to break their guard bar by uh, either attacking them or by, you know, parrying them. So the parry window is pretty, like, you know, small. I mean, it's once you get into the rhythm of it, it's not that bad. But it's still, like, that. you know, it's still, like, kind of difficult to know when to parry, like, just any random enemy. And I just found it kind of annoying. But then even after you do that, they take a lot of the enemies take like several hits before they die, which is just like, it feels so antithetical to like star Wars and a lightsaber isn't anything. It's like, I don't, <laughs> I don't get this stuff. Something else I find annoying is that like, you know, why you could like a basic storage where you could just like throw them around, throw them into the pit or whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of the more advanced units, like if you use like your push or your pull on them, they just like get staggered a little bit and then like are ready to start wacky with their stud sticks again. And that was, it's just like, where's where the Jedi stuff in this? I don't know, man. You know what's interesting? Like, the 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 platonic ideal of, like, a lightsaber Star Wars video game mm. is just that dream of mowing down stormtroopers <laughs> with your with your blade. Yeah, yes. And, and you do that, you do do that occasionally. But in the interesting game. thing is, that never happens in the original trilogy with stormtroopers. No. It's all from like episode one fighting the droids. Yeah, I guess like that, that is the that platonic is ideal of like lightsaber combat against um, troops. And that's how they should make this. That's how they should set their games during the. Because something else I find uh, silly in this game is like, you know, your lightsaber. What do you, whenever you're killing enemies, like if you're cutting up, a, if you if you fight a droid, like you cut off their legs and arms and stuff, and it's like very like you know very violent. Some <laughs> of the animals too, you like cut off their horns and stuff like that. But with the regular stormtroopers, like they you just like kind of stab them, and it's like okay, I guess this guy's dead. You should be like cutting them in half. Like, well, yeah, that's the same with technically Jedi Outcast and Jedi Knight. Mm. But there was definitely a code in Jedi Outcast that implemented realistic physics. So clearly they programmed it. And you could uh, you could access it as a cheat. That's that's but that's why every Star Wars game should be set during the like Clone Wars era because you could cut droids into a billion pieces and no one cares, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but there's a game called Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, which is like a Metal Gear Solid spinoff game. I've heard of it. Yeah, where um, one of the systems they developed. Uh, was like this like painstaking gore system so you could like cut enemies up into a million pieces if you wanted to. <laughs> and I feel like that's something like that should be implemented in a Star Wars game. <laughs> the problem is it's like obviously the the audience. And and now now you're getting to the irritating part where it's like uh, you have this game and you have its sequel and they're I think they're supposed to be making another one. Like it feels like a lot of Star Wars games like as uh, evidenced by this new game, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um What's it called? Outlaws or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they're moving away from every Jedi or like uh, people with lightsabers as the protagonist, which I think is like a huge mistake. Like, why? It's like, you know, okay, you can either be the wizard who has a, a sword that can cut through anything, or you could be some random uh, chick with a gun. It's like I don't. <laughs> I don't like, think it necessarily <laughs> means that they're moving away from it. They make they, I don't they know. committed to what three games with this Fallen Order series. Yeah, 
And there's going to be more lightsaber games. I don't think we're going to have a dearth. Of I don't know. I think games. I think I think we're I think we're going to have a dearth of lightsaber games. That's my prediction right now. <laughs> I think I think I think Star Wars in general they want to move away from having like Jedi's be the main characters entirely. So what's the lightsaber combat actually like? Because I I don't think they've ever quite mastered it. It's just like uh, it just it's, you're just like doing melee attacks. I don't know what what do you what do you mean. Well, like when you're in a duel, like if you're yeah. just fighting like troops, yeah, it's not that hard to make that satisfying. And I think Jedi Knight no. and Jedi Outcast, they were fine. Um, the actual duels in Jedi Outcast felt a bit random to me. It just felt like mm. you were clicking, and then like somehow you won. It didn't. It didn't feel very strategic at all. It's not random in this game at all because it's all, every fight in the game is about like parrying and dodging enemies' attacks and doing damage to them. Yeah, like, yeah. Like it's it's like they're all like um, you know they're hard fought battles. But it, the thing that they should make it like it's just like <laughs> I feel like a game like this, the way to make it like like fair and fun is just make it so like you know if you get hit by a lightsaber, you die. <laughs> if your enemy yeah. gets hit by a lightsaber, they die. Because that changes it. how you approach the battle. Like you, you compensate for that psychologically yeah. if you think you can get away with it. Um, but they're I mean, not going to. You can't get away with like easy hits and stuff. They're, but, they're not going to do that in a in a game that's marketed at a broad audience, unfortunately. Even if the battle mechanics of a duel don't feel like that well polished, it's still like almost always fun just to like be in the body of a, a Jedi with a lightsaber attacking someone. Yeah. So you don't even have to do that much to make it really fun. But I still I still don't think anyone's cracked it, even though I haven't played one of these games since fucking Jedi Outcast. Because <laughs> it, it, it should be like it should be like a fencing battle in a way. Yeah. It should be yeah, it should it should really be a one hit kill duel. Mm. Like the original Samurai Showdown. Yeah, Samurai Showdown, that's not seeing that's that'd be like the ideal. You know what game we should live stream is the Star Wars uh, fighting game. <laughs> What's it called? Masters of Terror. Masters of Terror Kasi on um PlayStation. Yeah, we should, we should play that. <laughs> <laughs> Notoriously broken. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I'm sure we'd still have fun. WV 321 to 331 is the latest record by Melbourne based band Bucketman. Playing time is 46 minutes and 7 seconds.
The record includes 10 original compositions. EWV 321-331 is available at bucketman.bandcamp.com Find out more at offbrandhorse.com. This is actually like tying in perfectly to uh, something I wanted to discuss. I'd go for it. Which is the reason that I stayed up. How woke video games are nowadays. No, no. It's the reason that I stayed up until 4 a.m. this most recent Saturday morning. Hmm. That's pretty late. It is pretty late for me. I never never go to bed that late. So what what was uh, occupying my time to such an extent that I would delay my bedtime by like four or five hours? Was it uh, YouTube videos? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> wow, I'm a genius. <laughs> so it's like it's like when when a new like branch of YouTube videos opens up before me and I haven't explored it before. Mm. Um, I become kind of obsessive. And I'm watching, I have like all these tabs open and I'm barely even like consuming them. I'm like, oh, there's another thumbnail that leads to this one. And I'm clicking on everything that, that like halfway interests me. Yikes. And I kind of go insane and I wish I could like divert this kind of energy to something productive, as I always say. But anyway, for the moment, I'm stuck in this YouTube cycle. And um, what I was actually viewing was like fighting game YouTube channels. <laughs> okay. So are you aware of the most famous moment in fighting game tournament history known as Evo 37? Is it the Street Fighter 3 one? It is the Street Fighter 3 one. I think I've seen a so, video of it, but I don't really remember it that well. So this is a ma- and this 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 flows on from our discussion not only of fighting games and fighting mechanics in uh in Fallen Order or whatever, but also specifically parry mechanics. Mm-hmm. So this moment was a match between um, the Japanese player uh, Daigo Umahara and the American player Justin Wong. Mm-hmm. Justin Wong is playing Ken. This is Street Fighter Three Third Strike. No, no. Justin Wong is playing Chun Li. Sorry. Daigo is playing Ken. Um, Japanese players have historically dominated the Street Fighter Three Evo tournaments. Sure. I don't think. I don't think. Uh, in fact. An American has ever won, but Justin Wong was 
was close and this was, I don't know if this was the final, I don't think it was the final, but it was the most famous moment of that tournament. Mm-hmm. Justin was basically about to win the match. Mm-hmm. So he had maybe a third of his life gauge still there. Daigo had like one pixel worth of health. Yeah, he had, he had the smallest fossil amount of health he could have. Absolutely nothing. So um, Justin Wong did the smart move and launched into his super attack because he knew that even if um, Daigo blocks it, there's mm. a thing called chip damage. So that even if you block it, your health bar goes down a little bit every hit. Yeah. And Chun-Li's super move is, uh, I think it's 15 direct hits right. worth. So even if he just held the block button for 15 hits, it's going to deplete his life and he's going to lose. It's like an easy win. It's like the best thing you could possibly do if you were Justin Wong in that moment. But there's a mm. mechanic in Street Fighter Three called the parry system. Mm. And in order to pull that off, you have to press the forward button at the exact moment that a hit connects with you. Oh, my God. How right? could you possibly time that? <laughs> it's not that hard to time if you're just if you're doing it like for a fireball or something. Yeah. But it's important to say that with a parry, there is no chip damage. Mm. So if you parried everything, your health stays exactly the same. So in order for him not to die, he had to parry 15 hit cycles of this special move, which no one, at least in America, had ever seen before. And you have to time it like a rhythm game. So there's even like a break between a cup, like a, a cycle of hits. So like Chun-Li kicks like four times as part of the special move and there's a slight break and then she kicks another four times. So you couldn't just rhythmically keep tapping it. It wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. You have to like perfectly memorize exactly where every hit is. And then he ends it by blocking in the air somehow, transitions to his special move, which connects with Chun-Li and depletes the entire third of his life. And everyone goes insane. Mm-hmm. So that led me to watch a bunch of like random YouTube channels where they're just talking about old fighting games and stuff. And then eventually to um, Justin Wong's own YouTube channel, Mm. which is one of those YouTube channels which is really just clips of his Twitch stream. Someone else even edits the video. It's not him, but they edit it from his Twitch account. They're barely YouTube videos, but I'm not going to watch his Twitch stream, probably. Yeah, so fuck that. at least it's like a digestible version that I can consume. And I've just been watching him like play arcade mode on like old SNK fighting games. And that's what kept me up until four in the morning. And um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Got me back into emulation. I've just been downloading all the old <laughs> have fighting played, games. Have you played play. Street Fighter 3? Yeah. Really? <laughs> I always play them for two stages. Like I was never that interested in like mastering the mechanics and getting really deep into it like my love for fighting games is 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 almost purely aesthetic Mm. but i love like they're a kind of chill out game for me really i've never been able to get into them at all i i do like i do like the mechanics and stuff but i've never like learned them properly like anyone Mm. who would have a hope of like yeah yeah, winning a round in any tournament yeah of course but um but maybe that's I, my future. Maybe I, I should become I'm, I'm, a pro Evo player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think, yeah, you're the perfect age for it. 
I, I've never been I've never been good at timing in games like that. That's always that's actually always the problem I've had with playing music too, is timing. So it's a recurring flaw uh with me. Well, I mean, like I'm I'm not especially good at well, I, I can't say I'm even that good at actual music, but I, I was never like that into or capable at like Guitar Hero or anything like that. Mm. I actually got kind of good at Guitar Hero. It's more of a human expression in a fighting game than in a rhythm game. A rhythm game, you're like confined to have to hit the button at this time. Rhythm games, I find easier to deal with it because it's like it's like having the timing to react to something in the at the proper time that I have trouble with. The cool thing about fighting games is like feeling is like like really embodying your character and thinking of it as like a, a really cinematic fight because that makes it fun mm. even if you kind of screw up. No, I don't. I don't think they're fun because <laughs> I always just feel like I get I get owned and I'm just I just get frustrated that I'm not better. You know, did you just play crappy people like me? <laughs> you probably beat me. That's not enjoyable. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I honestly don't know if that's true. I'm really bad at these games. But when we play uh, Masters of Terrascosi, I guess I'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> we should play that game. That'd be so funny. Oh, and actually, this this leads me onto a, a, a side Another point. Another point? Wow. Quite neatly, actually. Wow. And this directly addresses the issue that you're speaking of, which is like the mm. skill barrier. Actually, I'm going to say two things. Two things? Holy shit. One of the coolest things about fighting games in contrast to like a, an MMO or something or an action RPG. I like I like I like MMOs more. <laughs> but I like the fact that you're given the entire tool set to start with. Mm. And and you as a person level up. The game doesn't like <laughs> gate you and like put you down this path and make you grind in order to earn a better ability or something and then you get to level 20 and the game makes you more powerful. You as a person have to become more powerful. Isn't <laughs> that cool? Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I'm so bad at them. <laughs> maybe, but like, I just think that's cool. Even if I'm not personally capable of it, or even that interested in the actual like fighting game tournament stuff. But it is. It is interesting how they see it in contrast to a lot of video games. Yeah, I, I think that's cool. But anyway, on the point of that skill barrier, the second thing I want to say, and I don't know if this has actually been done before, but if it has been done it maybe wasn't done properly because it should be implemented in every single fighting game. I think it would be really cool. Mm -hmm. So the, the training modes in these fighting games, some of them are very good, but none of them are particularly engaging to me, especially when I think one of the appeals of fighting games is like being part of this cinematic martial arts battle. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the training modes should play into that. They shouldn't be like kind of sterile, Street Fighter style, like empty rooms that show you like all the commands that you have to input and let you practice in that environment. I'm sure that's great for pro players or people learning the game for the first time if they have the patience for that. But that doesn't appeal to me like mm -hmm. as as a part of the game. It's like, yeah, mm -hmm. if I want to get good, I guess I'll have to like slog it out in the tutorial mode, learn these moves and, and learn some combos and stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's that feels like homework. That should be like a part of the game and it should like take its take its leaf out of the early Hong Kong like period martial arts films mm -hmm. like Drunken Master or something, for example, or Young Master or any of those early Jackie Chan ones where you have a master, right? 
mm-hmm. and the master is is training you because that's a fun component. Of the, yeah, that's a fun component of those movies. That's true. So they should really invest in having a really smart AI training you the moves. It doesn't even have to be that smart. Even if it was just like the illusion of someone going, okay, now do this. No, that was timed wrong. It wouldn't even be that hard to program with what they've already got there. But that would make it so much cooler to me that you're actually like bonding with this seafood and he's mm-hmm. teaching you that stuff. And you could even extend that to the actual human-to-human um, tournaments that are played online mm-hmm. because I think what would be cool and what would encourage new players to get involved and also give um, established players an incentive to help new players is to have an official version of this mechanic where like a pro player who's who reaches a certain level online in Street Fighter or something Mm-hmm. becomes your Sifu, right? He's like, mm-hmm. he chooses one of these new players and it goes into a mode where he's standing there. He can communicate with you. With you. I don't know if it, chat is probably a problem because you probably get people abusing. Maybe there's some limited yeah. communication tools that they can use that avoids like free text entry or talking. Mm. And if they want to communicate directly, they can work it out among themselves. Like it'd probably have to be something like that. But the main thing is you're going into like an arena with no time limit and Mm. you've just got this pro player like setting you challenges and helping you like adapt and learn. And then like if you Mm. end up winning some tournament, it's kind of like a shared victory. Like you Mm. officially enter as he's my master and I'm his pupil. I'll be doing the fights, but he's going to be training me. And that's like a reason for them to like to train you because they'll get clout from not only being a great player themselves, but being able to train like a really lowly, dodgy player that they found. That wouldn't that be cool? I think that would solve the skill barrier. You should you should uh, you should pitch that to Capcom. Surely someone has done this in like an, a dodgy form in like an AI tutorial single player or something, but I haven't seen it. It's certainly not in the main ones. Like if you look, yeah, at it doesn't the, sound very familiar to any of the funny games that I've played. But like, yeah, like that was that was something that just. That would really appeal to me. You want to know the only fighting game I got really into? Yeah. The, uh, like, I wonder what, I don't know what year it is. 2011, maybe? Uh-huh. Yeah, 2011, a Mortal Kombat game. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I played a, 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 a insane amount of that game. I don't know wow. why. <laughs> I couldn't tell you why. I don't have any, like, um, uh, I mean, I guess I was like, what? How old was I when that came out? I guess I would have been 17, 16, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was primed for the, like, you know, dismemberment, like, violent aspect of it, I guess. <laughs> and I don't know. I, 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 I truly do not remember anything about the game at all besides playing, like, hours and hours of it. So I don't know how well respected that is in the fighting game community, but... Mm. That got fairly good reviews at the time, if memory serves. It did, right? yeah. Like it was, it was fairly well respected. It was notorious for its violence, but it was, it was like a fairly well reviewed game as a fighting, as a, like an arcadey fighting game. Yeah, eighty six Metacritic on uh, for that. For oh, that then game. it must be good. There's no way it can't yeah. be. Um, it's, but like I can't. This is another example of like why the aesthetics are so important. I can't, I wouldn't even try that game. No, they're, ter- they're terrible. They're, it looks terrible. Actually, I will say, I do think the 
vintage Mortal Kombat games are appealing to me. Yeah, there is there is a there is a janky appeal in those games, and I think that's the reason why we should play the Jackie Chan <laughs> fighting game that uses the same like still life thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we should obviously play that. The intent behind the aesthetics, uh, not to my taste, but the execution mm. kind of is like it's it's kind of a, a charm. The fighting game I remember playing most when I was a kid was uh, Marvel versus Capcom too. Because there's an arcade in the like resort or the, not the resort, like the community that my parents would always go to on vacation at the beach had a cabinet of it that I would I would play quite frequently. But I was always terrible at it. So Justin Wong is like definitely the best Marvel versus Captain Two player in the world. I feel I feel okay. like Marvel versus Capcom Two and the Marvel like trading cards are like the things that made me interested in comic books when I was a kid. Mm. <laughs> way, way, way more than actually reading comic books. <laughs> so I've, I've, I like, I like all the Capcom versus games, but I haven't mm. actually played the generation that began with Marvel versus Capcom two when they upgraded to a different arcade board because that hasn't been properly emulated in Mame. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I have played it like once at a friend's house when I was in high school. I remember playing it, but. My main experience like ends at Marvel versus Capcom, which I do really like that game. I like all like Marvel superheroes, X Men versus Street Fighter, Marvel superheroes versus Street Fighter, and Marvel versus Capcom. I do like the vibe of those games. I like the aesthetics of them quite a bit. I got yeah. the like the Pixar and all these characters like shouting at each other on the cover, you know. And I really like the vertical stuff that you don't see in other fighting games, where mm. you can. You can just do this giant jump and the screen scrolls all the way up and the other player, yeah. if they haven't jumped, they're just stuck at the bottom off screen. That's pretty crazy. Um, and also I always like characters who can do a wall jump and this mm. goes a couple better because I think Spider-Man, maybe even Strider, can like grab onto the wall and just climb up. <laughs> wow. I love that. I love that shit. Sure. Anything aside from like the core, like hardcore fighting mechanics, I, I love all the, the window dressing. That's how you, that's how you love the fatalities in World Cup. No, I love the super moves in in the Marvel versus games. They're they're just mm, yeah, they're great. super Especially fun. Marvel versus Capcom One. I'm not sure about two because I haven't played it much, but mm. just like where where it shows like the panel with your head is like a comic panel and it, it just yeah, like destroys great. the entire screen. It's great. What I, I don't like is when they style. did upgrade the hardware for the for Marvel versus Capcom Two and also Capcom versus SNK. They have those dodgy, like, 3D backgrounds that I don't think mm. always work. I kind of like those. I can't lie. I think SNK are way better at backgrounds than Capcom ever were. They don't, mm. they don't, SNK, like, put a lot of energy into the backgrounds in most of their think, games. I don't think I've played a single SNK game. I would love to show you just, like, even if just you watching, like, The Last Blade or Last Blade 2. Mm. Well, I think be- that's the most beautiful <laughs> 2D fighter that's ever been made. What are you? What have you seen? Like Guilty Gear? Only like a very small amount. See, I actually I I own Guilty Gear Core for Wii or whatever. I played it like once or something, <laughs> but it always appealed to me on paper because it's like uh, this is a fluid two D fighter. I do like the I do like the really really detailed pick. That's why I've always like the the I mean. That's like Street Fighter Three has always appealed to me. Is those like yeah, extremely yeah. detailed like uh, character animations. But I, I think I actually hate the Guilty Gear aesthetic. 
Mm. Like it has a very particular anime aesthetic that that isn't particularly appeal to, appealing to me. But just sure. as a like a as visual design, it just feels like noise. There's too much mm. going on. Yeah. You can't you can't really distinguish a lot of the fighters from one another because they're wearing so much crap. They all, they're all covered sure. in belts and it's it's too much. They're all grey. Yeah. Everything's everything's grey. Like you don't get that lovely kind of pop art sensibility of Street Fighter or the SNK games. No. You really do need to simplify the character sprites design a little bit to make them yeah. pop and like iconic. Stand out. I feel like this, the the new Street Fighter game got really good reviews. Yeah, but I hate the look of it. Yeah, uh, who cares? <laughs> it looks worse than Street Fighter Four to me, which I have reservations about as it is. Mm, I played a somewhat decent amount of Street Fighter Four when it came out, actually. I've only played it like once. I know I was always really bad at it. Do you like like King of Fighters? Is that more to your taste? Yeah, I love King of Fighters. Or well, one mm. particular entry. <laughs> Which one? No, I, I like actually because I don't because I like people say of the classic King of Fighters games that ninety eight is the best, mm. but because I don't ever really understand the mechanics properly to be able to make that kind of like value judgment against the other King mm. of Fighters entries, I probably have I'd probably have as good of a time with like ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, up until like um, SNK went bankrupt and and Playmore took over and everything. Oh sure. Um, I mean, I think technically they did hire some people back, so some of those later entries might have some continuity, but I, I effectively treat SNK as if it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, they're owned by, like, the Prince of Saudi Arabia at the moment. So. Really? <laughs> wow, that's hilarious. So. <laughs> Ethically dubious to buy uh, King of Fighters games now. Yeah. All right, uh, you ready to check in with Spawn, or do you want to talk about some more bullshit? <laughs> I feel like you fucking, I feel like you fucking love SNK. Metal, I do love Metal Slug, Metal Slug. Uh, yeah, Metal Slug. Ah, uh, Metal Slug Three. Ah, uh, be still my heart. But we'll talk about that on our other game. <laughs> I haven't played a single one of those games at any point in my you life. You will. You will. Are we uh, ready to check in with our our best buddy Spawn this week? Yeah, let's check in with Spawn. What's he up to? Yeah, how's how's Spawn doing this week? Heal? Yeah, so remember how um, a bunch of um, crime bosses were being thrown out of windows with their hearts ripped out? Do I? And I think we made the assumption that it was Spawn who mm. was doing this, that he was operating as some sort of vigilante. Yes, that was that was the assumption that we made. Well, in fact, we are incorrect because Oh, my it God. Is, Whoa. What a twist. It is, is it the violator? It is the violator, yes. Wow. So the violator is uh, this evil demon thing that sometimes takes the, the form of a portly clown, mm. a juggalo, if you will. Was it a proto-juggalo when this was made? Because it feels like that's what a juggalo is, is the violator think, in human form. I think so. Let's see. When did the insane... <laughs> I don't know. The Insane Crowd Posse formed in 1989. So. All right. So so it was Todd who was borrowing from the mm. ICP playbook. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, um, so, yeah, so the Violator is the one enacting vengeance against these crime bosses for some reason. We don't know why yet. Mm. But um, we actually see him do it 
we know it's him. It's definitely him. It's not Spawn. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's talking to some dude, I can't remember who, and he's like, I'm going to destroy Spawn. I'm going to do a lot of bad things to Spawn. I'm going to rip his heart out and all sorts of shit. Mm-hmm. He goes into great detail about it. Um, Spawn still can't quite remember stuff. He, he goes over again the fact that he made a deal and he thinks he's been ripped off and that someone is toying with him by making his memory come back in these bursts. But he still doesn't know his wife's name. We learned that she sets up charities for good causes, like um, hospitals for the for disabled care and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. She's a good person. Who is? Uh, Spawn's wife. Uh, Wanda. And then eventually... Uh, yes? So Spawn is like, well, I have all these powers now. So I've, I've, mm. I've come back from the dead. And it's not just that I'm alive again. I have these these magical powers. So he's like, maybe I can get my beautiful face back. Because he's got just like sores all over him. He's like a, a zombie. Mm-hmm. So he concentrates all his power. And then he turns into a human. But he looks into the mirror and he's like, what the fuck? This isn't me. I'm not white. I'm a black man. No. Uh. <laughs> so um, he feels like someone's toying with him because when he tries to get back to a normal human form, it's like this blonde white guy. Mm-hmm. So that even if he found his wife, she'd think he's someone completely different. Mm-hmm. So he gives up on that. But it like depletes a lot of his power. So he like falls down in an alleyway or something. And then the violator in human form goes, hey, hey, man, mm. uh, I'm going to kill you. That's it? Yeah, that's it. That's all That's all that's been happening with Spawn this week. Oh, that's uh, thrilling, I guess. Up, oh, um, <laughs> I... Guess that's all for Hour of the Horse this week. Uh, please join us next week for, uh, I'm sure, what will what, prove to be another exciting uh, update on the site and its um, continuous and endless flow of content. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye.